We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 60. We are going to dedicate this one to Nick Johnson, circa 2001. That was his number when he got the call. Um, Nick Johnson, a, uh, a very high prospect in the Yankees organization, lefty hitting, first baseman, had a lot of pop. The ball flew off of his bat. He was also a very homely-looking man, but he never really panned out. Scott, what's going on, man? I wouldn't call him homely looking. I would call oh, him was Babe Ruth looking. looking. No, he the dude the dude looked like you know the the Babe Ruth type of player. And Nick Johnson was he was I wanted him to be my favorite Yankee so badly because the guy could hit for an out for a very high average. He he just kind of looked like a baseball player, unathletic yet athletic, and uh, he just never he he just got too injured, couldn't stay healthy. And it was a, it was a shame that he he didn't pan out because I was really really pulling for him. He had that baseball athleticism where it's good at at a first base position where in a, in an eight foot box he can move pretty good and he can, he can snag some ground balls. But outside of that eight foot box, he's not very mobile. Yeah, we haven't seen like a homegrown first baseman 
in a while, you know, at that time. Donnie and Ball, Donnie Baseball. That was the last one before Nick Johnson. So I think I feel like that was my Donnie Baseball, like, you know, coming back up. And I wanted Nick Johnson to be the next guy. And it just never worked out. You know, and then do you remember they brought him back after the 09 yes. championship? And I just felt they got too cute. They replaced, he replaced Matsui as the DH. And I was just thinking Cashman was getting a little bit too money ball on us. He was going for that on base percentage versus Matsui, who was as clutch as you can get. Um, I, I did not like that move when Cashman made that. Yeah, well, you mentioned Pop, too. I mean, you look at Nick Johnson, you'd think he, the guy hits 30 home runs, but he really wasn't that type of, uh, of player either. He, he was more of a contact guy. He could, hit, he could spray it all over the field, and he hit for a very high average. So it was an, it was an interesting play at that point. But, yeah, his, his, his second coming didn't work out either. He had some, a couple like decent years, I think, with the Nationals, maybe? Yeah, Nationals. Yeah, it was him and Soriano. Yeah, so... Um, I do want to mention to follow us on the Twitter machine. I am at Yankees underscore talk. Scott is at Scott Reinen. And also follow the website in the show at Bronx Pinstripes, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably following at least Bronx Pinstripes, if not the both of us as well. Scott, how was your weekend? You know, much like last weekend, my week, my weekend and the, the previous week has been full of laying flooring so I'm I'm just I'm still in the middle of a you're of still a pretty, the two man tailoring it over there. Yeah, dude, the, you're, this is going to be a reoccurring theme for weeks probably. Uh, considering spring training's happening this weekend and nothing will get done, so I have uh, you know at least a few more weeks. But yeah, but yeah, no, it's not bad. You know what I mean? Like it's I, I feel I feel progress is happening. I feel. I feel proud of the work that I've done, so that's a good thing, right? I'm listening to the Yankee game on the radio. I have it on the TV, so it's it's cool. Like it's, it's I'm passing the time, and it's it's a uh, it's all right. You are quickly, rapidly becoming a 38 year old dad, even though you have no kids, or 38. But yes, close, <laughs> close to it. Maybe at 38, I will be a 38 year old dad. It's <laughs> Maybe. Possible. Um, I had a pretty low key weekend. For the first time in like a month, I was I was at my house for the weekend, which was nice. Um, I did go to a bar on Saturday night to watch the UFC fight. Um, I don't think you watched it, correct? No, I actually completely forgot about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I not really a big UFC guy. Nor am I. Um, I I was reminded, but my friends wanted to go. It was ten bucks to get into the bar, and they were showing the fight, so I figured, why not? Um, but what we did not account for is that we selected an Irish bar to go to. Oh, that's a McGregor bar. McGregor yeah. was fighting, and they were getting rowdy. There was a- anywhere from pretty sure they were under 21-year-olds all the way to like 50-year-olds, all Irishmen, all ready to throw down because they had so much testosterone from watching these UFC fights. And we sort of had an escape plan. We were like, if McGregor loses this thing, we need to get the hell out of here because someone is going to get their ass kicked. And sure enough, it was getting pretty rowdy towards the end of the night. Everyone was drunk. Everyone was uh, was just getting a little too overconfident with the fact that they thought they could fight like those fighters. But um, I actually have to admit, it was kind of a fun night of, of fights. Yeah, I, I again didn't see any of it. Uh, I, I I was looking for the recap and like a like a, it's like boxing. I guess you can never get a video of it for till a few few days later. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I guess he got his ass kicked, right? Or he got he got worked over after the first round. I, I heard a whole lot about it, and I watched some videos about it because I what I did see was like the pre the pre match. Uh, oh yeah. You know, just 
just going at it. He's a were, cocky they were, bastard. They were talking a bunch of shit. So, yeah, uh, UFC is one of those things that I I think it needs a star um, to really get the sport going. And it seems like anytime someone starts to build some momentum, they lose a fight. I mean, Ronda Rousey lost a few months ago. McGregor loses this fight, which he wasn't even supposed to be fighting this fight. This was like a a fill in fight. It wasn't for a, for a belt or anything. Um, yeah, this guy a, took the fight. This guy Diaz took the fight on like ten days' notice or something. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know how long it was, but the guy who it was short, like ten yeah, days. It was I, something short like that. I don't even remember the other guy's name, Altador, Alador, or something like that. Was supposed to fight and he got injured. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting night all around. But um, do also want to mention that we are four days away from spring training. You pumped? I'm very excited. I. Getting the, getting my uh, my checklist checked off of uh, things we got to bring and things we got to do and yeah so I'm I'm getting uh, I'm getting ready and Nathan Avaldi gets to throw on Thursday. You're not going to be there yet for that game, but uh, I'll be able to see Nathan Mr. Nathan Avaldi throw the, for the first time this spring. So that's exciting. So you know how Clemens used to rub himself in icy hot before a game. Yep. I imagine you rubbing yourself in icy hot before you go and watch Avaldi pitch on Thursday. I will. I, I have real my... sensual with it. Yeah, it's already packed. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'm I'm, I'm excited about it. This is uh, I saw I saw Navaldi start last year too. He he pitched at uh, at Old Timers Day. So you know, Navaldi and I are kind of like kindred spirits. He, he does well when I'm there, and and he I think is going to have a phenomenal season. And this is just the start of it. So I'm excited to be there for the beginning. What are the we should find out what the Cy Young what the odds of him winning the Cy Young award are, and you need to put some money on that. Okay. You need to put your money I'm all in your over mouth that. Is. Okay, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Um, while we're down there, as we've been saying, we're going to be doing daily podcasts. We're going to be periscoping. We're going to try and get some fan interviews. If we can weasel our way in to get any media or player interviews, we will definitely do that. So keep an eye out for any for podcasts. We're probably going to be posting them daily while we're down there. So make sure you uh, check your iTunes feed or SoundCloud feed or however you listen to the podcast. Make sure to check that over the weekend um, to hear what's going on down in Tampa. Um, also, we finally got you finally got the Yankees Forum off the ground. Good job. Thanks. It's uh, looking pretty good. No, this is the fourth time I think that we've gotten the Forum off the ground. No, but it's actually working this time. Yeah, no, it's working, and uh, yeah. So now we just need people to go to it. I know, I know, all of you, everybody listening, you know, your your normal conversations about the Yankees are either on Facebook or Twitter or, or wherever your social media is. But if you go to the Yankees forum, there can be longer, more in depth conversations with Yankee fans, and they can, you could come back to them. It's just a much better place to have a sports conversation, in my opinion. So we're doing this. We're going to do, you know, we're going to have open feeds during the games. We're going to do Yankees chat is going to be on the forums as well. We're going to start doing a lot more stuff on the forums. So that way people can interact with the, with the writers. We can interact with each other and kind of get to know each other on a more of a Yankees fan basis. Um, but yeah, so definitely check it out, sign up for it. It's free and, uh, and just start, start chiming in. Or if you have something you want to talk about, start a new topic, you know, maybe it'd be, be a good idea to do some mailbags from there too. Absolutely, and I think you touched on it, but during games is going to be crucial um, because you only have 140 characters on Twitter to complain about Girardi's bullpen use, but you have unlimited characters on the forum to complain about Plus, it's it. just so hard to follow conversations on Twitter sometimes. I mean, it's just, you, you, you're only talking with one person at a time, whereas in a forum, you're talking to, a, obviously, you're, it's, a, it's a core, it's more of a, a forum, that's why it's called that, but you're, you're talking to more people at one time, and you can get a lot more opinions on stuff, so... 
yeah, it's it's definitely should be should be popular during the season, and it's not like we're gonna not be on Twitter anymore. We're just gonna be doing both, so multitasking. I'll need two computers open at the same time. There you go. Um, last bit of site updates is that to check out the fan shop, and it was a big hit last year, but we will be doing the A bomb shirt giveaway again every time A Rod hits a home run. He hit a home run in his first swing of spring training. So on this pace, you're going to be giving away about 10,000 t-shirts this year. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I'm, so I'm projecting, uh, what did he hit, 32 last year? Was it 30? Something like that. 30-ish. Uh, I think he's going to be about the same. So I, I, I predict him. To Which be would right be a same. phenomenal season. Yeah. If they can yeah. get the same production out of A-Rod, um, I think the Yankees will sign up for that right now. I just don't see how, how he – I mean, I know he was super hot occasionally and, and he, he got into some just big home run streaks. But I could see him – if he could stay healthy and obviously there's a big – That's a huge if. Emphasis. Well, there's also a big emphasis on keeping him healthy and, and you know making sure that they're managing his time a little bit better. So right. I think I, they're going to be – they're more, uh, more wary of that obviously. So when I was – I wrote um, – the transformation of Alex Rodriguez, that was my featured column last week. If you have not already read that, give it a look. Sort of talked about his last year and a half of A-Rod's life and what a crazy um, transformation he's done. As you know, I say, the A-Rodicence. So, right. uh, but I was looking at his game lo- or his games played, and I, he played like 154 games last year, which is which blows the number that we all projected for him out of the water. We thought he'd be around like 110, 120. Um, but he did get a little tired towards the end of the year. So I think they will ideally have him in like the 140 to 145 range. Yeah, and I, I've, you know, just listening to the game and to the games uh, last week and some of the guys talking about this, I think, you know, one of the one of the big reasons or one of the big things that I think they're going to be sitting him against like tough righties that come in. And, you know, one of the big decisions that Girardi's going to have to make is if A-Rod's going well and he's he's like extremely hot he may have to sit him in the middle of a hot streak like that because you you can't just keep playing him game after game after game Girardi actually has to be conscious of what's going to happen in August and September with with A-Rod and make the hard decision of of sitting him so I'm already preparing myself to not get too angry with Girardi about sitting A-Rod in the middle of a hot streak because we're kind of I'm I'm setting my expectations to a level where I know it's going to happen and I kind of agree with it um, so if, if, you know, he's in the middle of a hot streak and, you know, a, a power throwing right-handed pitcher that comes in who's real hot and is pitching well, they may sit him against that guy. Yeah. I, I, I get more mad at Girardi when you have, um, like, do you remember when Slade Heathcott had that uh, mammoth game in Tampa last year and then yes. he sat for the next week? I get more mad about stuff was like that. Was it Tampa that. or Minnesota? Yeah, it was, no, one it was of the Tampa. Tampa. He had okay. the walk-off homer against Tampa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, both Gardner and Ellsbury were banged up, so they were looking for guys to play the outfield. And it's like, well, why don't you let Heathcott get in there? And he's riding high right now. See if he can you know, continue this momentum. But he didn't sniff the field for another week. Um, I get more mad about that stuff. Well, I know, but you know, during the season when this happens, and Arod's all, you know, he's just stroking the ball very well, and then Girardi sits him on on the next day after a four for five. You know, we're going to be crying about that. But yes, this these are the things that are, he's going to have to do to get him that that regular rest that he's going to need. So, is this is this is uncharted territory for everybody? So I'll be honest. This guy's a forty year old man who who hit 30, 30 plus home runs and and hopes to do it again. So this is this is all just. 
you know, kind of going by the feel. And and Girardi and Arod obviously have to have very good communication of how his body's feeling on a daily basis. These are communications that are going to have to happen all the time, conversations. So, you know, he's going to have to make some hard decisions with him occasionally. So this was just a very long way of saying to retweet the A-bomb graphic every time Arod <laughs> hits a home run so you can get enter your chance to win a free T-shirt and also check out the fan shop. And we have like six new designs coming out probably in the next yes. two to three weeks. Yes. I know all of the guys in Bronx Penstripes have seen them. I've been kind of testing the waters with these guys. And uh, and most of them, if not all of them, have been a, a good hit. So I'm excited to release a lot of them. A couple – well, I'm definitely putting in some some throwback 90s, um, you know, 20th anniversary, 96 T-shirts that are going to be really cool. So check it out. Yep. Also, one uh, about old Yankee Stadium, and then one about the big three-headed monster out of the bullpen. So, a lot of good stuff. Um, did you by chance catch the Players' Tribune article from CC today? I did. I read it this afternoon. So, if you have not checked it out, give it a read. It's called "My Toughest Out," and CC talks about sort of realizing that he had problems with alcohol. And he needed help. It was actually a very good read. Um, You could tell, you know, that you could tell it was something that CC uh, has been battling with for a while. But he even he even said, you know, I didn't. I would say I had a problem, but I didn't actually believe it. So he would he would you know his wife would confront him, and um, he would say, yes, yes, I know I need help. I have a problem. But in the back of his mind, he was saying he he had it under control, and um, I'm sure any alcoholic or somebody battling with drugs or alcohol will tell you that they think they can manage it, but they really can't. So CC was going through all that. So definitely give it a read. It's a very uh, good uh, emotional read. But uh, one takeaway I had from it was that he said he's been battling this since 2012, which is a long time. It means he's been pitching. He pitched three full seasons where he was spending entire road trips getting wasted in his hotel room. And interestingly enough, 2012 is the last year he had an ERA under four. So I know he's had injuries elsewhere with his knees and everything, but perhaps the alcohol is a reason why he's been so unhealthy and struggled as a, as a pitcher. I mean, it, it absolutely has has to have something to do with it. You know, this is something – and it go back and read the article. Absolutely read this article because it's it's extremely good and, and like Andrew was saying, it's 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 very personal. And he really goes into depth. I mean, I was expecting kind of a fluff article in all honesty. And when I started reading it, I was very surprised on how just open and honest he was being about the whole situation. And I mean, he was taking us back to his Cleveland days and how he was uh, at that time the youngest player uh, the youngest pitcher in major league baseball which i wasn't aware of and you know he was he was extremely shy and he was uh he couldn't even drink with the guys out at you know after a game or something because he wasn't of age um but he started drinking more to kind of come out of his shell uh that year and and started just kind of putting on a personality with the alcohol it was it was helping him be more of that fun-loving guy that he thought he wanted to be or that he thought he needed it and and i think that was like the the very beginning of him of him doing this so it's it's sad it's a sad kind of path of this because you know he mentions in the article that he feels like he grew up in major league baseball and why wouldn't you i mean if you're there at 20 years old and what is he now 35 34 35 so he's he's been there for you know a, a very large part of his of his life yeah. you know his entire career but his entire adult life he's been in baseball so think about how much you changed between the age of 20 and 30 Oh God, yeah. I mean, and he was making—he was a hundred millionaire. 
<laughs> the whole time. So, uh, it, and I, to me, the, the biggest transformation of my life really has been from thirty from thirty on. Because I don't know, there was just a, a kind of a, a an end of a, a phase for me. And I and and moving on to you know, you get to thirty, you feel like you're I don't know, you're, you're considered an adult. You got to start doing things differently. But for me, it was it was kind of a, a you know a different a different path at that point. But um, for for CC, the way that he really goes into it, I got to give him a lot of credit for coming out with this. And, you know, obviously he even talks about the timing of it and how he says that, yeah, you know, I love, I, actually, I love that part. That me too, because part. he gives his reasonings and, and not that, not that anybody should question his reasonings because you're not in that situation. You have no idea what's going on. And who, who is that? Who are any of us to question the reasonings of a man <laughs> well, who says he has a problem with alcohol? <laughs> I know if we you did. remember, we recorded an episode as soon as that news broke. Um, and we questioned the timing. We the we, timing was weird. It, it was, was strange. very weird. And we, I expected something else to happen. I exactly. expected another bomb. I expected another kind of bomb to drop. We thought it was going to be some situation that comes out later, which sort of forced his hand to go to rehab. And it, by all accounts, we were wrong on that. And it just seems that he had a realization that he his life was spiraling, and he could he was getting out of control. And he he talked about how. He knew the playoffs were starting, and pitching was so important, and he had actually been pitching pretty well, and he did not want to let his team down, but at the same time, his health and his family was more important, which, obviously, um, and he was nervous going into Girardi's office, but Girardi and the Yankees supported him, so, yeah, that, that was a great part of the article. You know, and, and he, he at the end of it, he just starts talking about how you know, uh, Bob Welch is a guy, if, if I don't know if, if many of you know who Bob Welch is, he was a guy that pitched in the 80s and the 90s. He was a he was a guy that I, I, I probably had 20 of his baseball cards. I remember Bob Welch very well. He was uh, he pitched with the Oakland Athletics and then I think the Dodgers as well. But he was a guy that apparently I didn't know this part of it, but uh, he had battled these alcohol issues as well early in his career, went to rehab, overcame them and became a better pitcher, a better man, just stronger for it. And from what CC was talking about was he he really took a lot from the Bob Welch story and he was you know kind of a mentor in the situation for him I don't know personally but just from the book he read the book and um, you know so he's seen a guy in his situation to you know do you know overcome this and, and come out for the better and you know from what CC's saying that he's he feels better than he ever has than he has remembered and and that he's more focused going into this got to be a mental training. weight off of his shoulders oh too. god yeah absolutely. So, so here's the question. Um, anyone saying CC, you know, Cy Young CC is back is having uh, delusions of grandeur because that's not going to happen. He's older. He's got miles on him. So he's not going to be 2009 CC ever again. But can he be second half 2015 CC for an entire season? And I was actually surprised when I looked up these stats. CC's second half of the year last year, 12 starts. 3.63 ERA, 67 innings pitch, which is six innings a start, which you know how much I, I love that six innings a start. That's what I want Evaldi to get to. And a one-to-one hit to uh, innings ratio. That's actually a pretty solid starter if you're plugging him in at the number four or number five starter. So do you think CC can do that for an entire season? This is exactly what we were waiting for all year. We talked about this. From the you know, as soon as CC started these struggles, you and I have been talking about when is CC going to become the old Andy Pettit, like the older Andy Pettit, the aged Andy Pettit, where Andy Pettit 
lost the velocity on his fastball, but he but he knew how to pitch around that. He could spot his his pitches and and just pitch effectively later in his career. And we've been waiting for for that CC to show up. You know, even working with Pettit and and you're literally like working with that same guy. You can be that type of player. And it seemed like at the end of the last year that he had absolutely figured that out. He pitched much better. He uh, the knee brace had a lot to do with it from from everything we've heard. But he feels more comfortable. He was he was getting uh, you know he was getting deeper into the games like you were saying six innings, and he you know like we saw in the beginning of the year and into the last year, when that fifth inning rolled around, it was the end of CC. But second half was, of last it was year, batting practice, it was insane. he was much better. Yeah, he progressed. He overcame that that third round you know the third third time through the ro- the, the lineup yep. where it's just batting practice like you're saying. Um, he kind of overcame that and and really dialed something different. So, you know, just by looking at what he did second half last year, obviously not in the best mental state, overcoming his own personal issues and not having that anymore, you know, the pitching part of it was pretty good. So if he could come in with a clear mind, a healthy body, and then the the knowing and confidence that he did that not at 100%, who's to say that he can't do that? I, I totally agree. Uh, I'm still a little worried about the knee, and I, I'm worried that he's just – his body – I mean, think about all the innings he threw from 2004 through 2012. Yeah, I that, mean, that was, one year in Milwaukee, yeah. they just rode him. And that was why CC – that's why Yankee fans and everybody love CC is because he is a team-first guy. He'll take the ball whenever he, he uh, is given the ball, and he'll go out – on three days rest, and he'll he'll gut it out, um, but that that adds up on somebody. So he's got a lot of miles on him, and he's not been in the best shape his entire life. Plus, alcoholism for the last three years. So there's just a lot of stuff that um, is factoring into his health. So I'm a little worried about his health, but I actually do think he figured out, like you said, how to pitch in the second half of last year. So if he can stay healthy. Again, another big if for this team. Everybody is has an if with health. But if he can stay healthy, I think he can put up those kind of stats again. Yeah, I mean, again, the, there's there's nothing. It, it seems like something clicked in, in the way that he realized how to pitch. And to me, that's the biggest thing that he could take forward. If everything else is is better, you know, the body feels better, the knee brace is working, he's obviously got the alcohol problem behind him and he's a better person a better better mentally and he's just you know has a clearer head then all of those things can only lead to better better uh, you know better uh, results on the field so uh, you know i i'd say i'm 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 more optimistic for you know as of late i'm more optimistic for what what cc's going to do and this is i'm 99.9% sure cc's last year with the yankees because he's got he's on the books for twenty five million this year, and then he's got a vesting option with a five million dollar buyout. So the Yankees are not going to pay him twenty five million next year. They're going to buy him out for five million. Right. Um, you know, maybe he still wants to pitch, and he signs back with the team for a third of that price. But uh, he's most likely this is his last year under this contract with the Yankees. So um, you know, let's see if he can go out on top. Um, all right. Uh, some more, <clears throat> some more news uh, over the last week, and this happened the day after we recorded. But Araldis Chapman is suspended for thirty games, and he will not appeal. Which at first surprised me because two days before the suspension, he said 
He's going to appeal no matter what, and then he doesn't appeal. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized he was probably speaking with MLB and Manfred, and they were going to give him 45-plus games. Mm -hmm. And then they said, but if you don't appeal, we'll bring it down to 30. So he said, fine. So it was a negotiation. Um, He did not want more than 46 games, more than 45 games, because that would have delayed his free agency. So that's got to be what happened. I totally agree that there was uh, there was definitely some kind of a no- negotiation behind the scenes, and and that's what happened because if he was forty five games as a Yankee fan, you're looking at that, you're like, oh man, forty five games, another fifteen games for another year, I could probably deal with that. Yeah, it's a nice little trade off. But um, you know, obviously there was some kind of a negotiation behind the scenes, and and you're right, he's not going to delay the free agency because that's taking a hell of a lot of money out of his pocket. Um, it's about his worst case scenario for the Yankees. I'm not saying it's it's. It's bad. I mean, it's, it's still it's, not it's bad. bad. It's still it, not it's that still bad. It's still not the worst thing in the world, but it's the worst pretty much that from a Yankees fan perspective because, like we said, it's a lot of games but not enough to delay free agency. Um, wh- but one thing I think that you have to actually give credit to is that Manfred came down hard. Um, we saw how much um, the NFL uh, botched everything with the, the Ray Rice and on down the list. So... Good for you. Got to give Manfred props for coming down hard and make and putting his foot down. We're not going to tolerate this, even though no charges were pressed. Um, you got to set a precedent, and it seems like he did. He's saying there was a situation that was not good. There was a situation that was involved uh, you and a woman, and there was some kind of a domestic dispute, and it 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 went too far. And you're right. There were no charges filed. There was no uh, no arrests or anything like that. But but by saying, hey, no arrests, no charges filed, get you 30 games, well, let's see what happens when, when you do do something wrong. I mean, yeah. we all know that there's a pending case against Jose Reyes right now that's, that's still in the courts. I mean, it's not even at Major League Baseball because it's still got to go through the court system. But you're right. I, like, I got no problem with it because I'm, I'm totally obviously opposed to everything that, that, that happened, you know, whether it, was, it wasn't that big of a deal, as he says, or, or it was. I, I wasn't there. I'm not, I'm not one to speak on that. But I'm glad that he came down around this, this topic because it's a topic that has obviously been a big hot button in sports and in society lately. And it's just something that it should be completely non-tolerated. So... That's that's all. Um, you know, let's put that aside for a second. Talk about on field. Yep. So Chapman's suspended for the month of April. The Yankees are going to be with just Batances and Miller uh, plus the rest of the bullpen guys. But those two guys, which we had last year, I'm assuming Miller will be the closer. Eighth, uh, eighth inning will go to Batances for the time being. Um, it again, we said it's not the worst case scenario for the Yankees. We know that their bullpen is still going to be good, and it kind of. Um, you know, the the more success they have in April, you, you're adding on a piece come May. And, and I think that it will be kind of an exciting thing uh, to look forward to. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see Jason Shreve back in that seventh inning. Like he, like he really took hold of that position early in the season last year. He's a guy that, you know, we think that he, he completely just fell off because... He was, you know, pitched more innings and he just got overly tired and just worked. And, and I think, you know, at that point he started doing – I heard an interview with him about, you know, what he's – what I think it was uh, with Meredith Morakovich. And he was talking about just the things, you know, what are you focused on? What are you coming into 2016 looking at? And one of his big things was, you know, just to rely on my body and rely on the things that, I'm, that I know how to do and not, not look at the glove and pitch to a spot but just throw and just kind of, the, you know, do the, the mindless things that he's trained to do. And apparently – 
last year at the end of the season, he was just thinking too much. And I think a lot of that comes from fatigue mm. and you're trying to spot pitches too much because, you know, you don't feel as great as you, you do normally. So you're trying to do extra things. And um, the fact that he would be a seventh inning guy, you know, I think the, the first month of the season and then kind of slowing down and, and just filling in as a middle relief guy when, when Chapman comes back, I think will only bode well for him later in the, in the season. And it gives a lot of guys a chance to um, audition in the seventh inning, which will have a little bit more pressure, a little bit more visibility, more opportunity because starters um, were more likely to be out of the game. So you got guys like Shreve, Rumbelow, Lingren, Pazos, um, whoever else they have on the roster. Nick Goody. There's yeah, a lot of guys all, that are all those, that All those spot. guys that are, are vying for the last couple spots in the bullpen, this is a chance, while Chapman's not on the team, to uh, have an audition in the seventh inning. So guys can really set themselves apart in, in that time. I, we may not see as much of a Scranton bust this year. I, I, I kind of hope we don't. We may oh, have you more mean of the Scranton, a the Scranton bus for the for the twenty for the last pitcher on the roster, where every day they were shipping them out and shipping shipping somebody new in. Yeah, I think there may be some guys in there that are uh, that are they're not not worthy of just going on and off the roster. I, I feel like I feel like even you know beyond when Chapman comes back, we have we obviously have seven, eight, nine locked down. But I mean, if you're looking at the names that are possibilities before that, I mean, there's some good names in there. There's some guys that I think could be very effective and that can that can you know earn a, a permanent spot on this team. So, I think I'm really very, very, very looking much looking forward to this bullpen and and how they can progress through the season. And those guys earned valuable Greyhound miles last year. No doubt, they can cash <laughs> in to exotic vacations from New York to to back to Scranton, maybe to Albany. I know, I know. It goes to Boston, so, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's yeah. beautiful, and like you go in like mid February, it's beautiful. Cincinnati, no <laughs> doubt. No, you don't want you don't want to mess with the Midwest. <laughs> um. All right. So, do you have anything else on the Chapman stuff before we we go to the next topic? No, I think we've we've, we've pretty much covered it. Um. You know, May. I think May fifth, May fourth, right? Early May is yeah. when we'll see him. Yeah. Um. So speaking of the roster. Girardi had a quote about the 25th man on the roster. I'm going to read that. Um, you have to take, uh, sorry, you have to take someone who can play third. You really have to see how this plays out. You have guys like Donovan Solano and a Castro and a Ronald Torres and a Jonathan Diaz who have played all over. So he's talking about the third base uh, position, which they're going to use as the as the last roster spot for the backup third base and i can't i've learned i can't read on this podcast (laughs) i can i can speak to you and i can talk about whatever but as soon as i have to read the words in front of my face i i I just can't do it it's it's like i could never read out loud when so be rest assured everything we do is completely off the cuff nothing is scripted like because we can't read (laughs) do you did you have that same thing where it's like in school you were just begging the teacher not to call on you to read out loud because i just couldn't do it no, it was not that reason. It was because I probably didn't read what she's going to ask me about. <laughs> that was the reason because I didn't know. No, you know, but praying. like even if you were – this was like you know probably like seventh grade or sixth grade or whatever and you were just sort of reading the chapters and you'd go around the room. Yeah, I would of course. Hate, you don't want to be that guy. I'd you don't always be following. Follow. It's like how long is my paragraph going to be? I was counting down. It's like, oh, yes, I have a short paragraph or you get screwed with the long yeah, paragraph. Yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly the same. Yeah. All right, so the Girardi quote was talking about the third base – Backup spot. He mentioned Solano, Castro, who obviously will be the second baseman, but backup third base. Torres, Diaz, and um, 
Ref Snyder was also in there. He was implied. Um, but they're going to use the last roster spot as the, the super utility guy. And we have mentioned, can Ref Snyder prove he can be that super utility guy? He made a really nice play over the weekend playing third base, showed his athleticism. Um, so he's vying for it. But can he convince management to give him that spot? That's the biggest question. Can he convince people that he is that guy? They did not give him the keys to second base last year because they didn't think he was far along enough to play second base every day. Or even platoon platoon with uh, one Stephen Drew, which is the last time I'm mentioning his name. But So that, that's that's a big question mark, is, is how management feels about Rob Refsteiner. But... I feel like there's been kind of a shift and uh, a changing of, of tune when we're talking about Ref Snyder because last year we were talking about how there's possibly some kind of an issue, a clubhouse issue. Uh, we never saw it. We were always kind of looking for it, but it never really showed itself when he was on the major league roster and yeah. we never really saw anything. Francesa dropped that bomb on one of his, one of his uh, radio shows. But we never really saw anything. So I, obviously, I'm I'm always looking for that because I'm looking for like I'm looking for the reason why he's not on the team. I want to know the specific reason because to me, it's not the fact that he can't play second base because when he came up and played second base, played a damn good second base. So you're seeing him now playing third base. He says, you know, when they're interviewing him after the game, he said it feel it feels extremely comfortable to me. That uh, and and you know he's he just needs to get more reps and reps and reps and he'll play wherever they say. He said that multiple times. I will play wherever Joe wants me. And that should be music to Joe's ears because Joe needs to, right now, play him at third base more often. Play him at second base. Play him in right field. Give him some time in the outfield where we know he's played before so that you can see it with your own two eyes. I know that there's so much doubt around him playing the field for whatever reason. But please give him the opportunity to do it because all he's done is proved everybody in the Yankees organization wrong on the major league level and how he can defend playing at any position. But you know what they're going to do. They're going to opt for the defense, for the guy who can just pick it and, and they don't care about offense. I mean, Solano, Torres, Diaz, these are all journeyman guys. Uh, two of them are 28 or older. The other one's 23, but he's bounced around a bit. These guys are boring. You know what's going to happen. They're going to bat ninth. They're going to go 0 for 4. Maybe if we're lucky, they'll put down a bunt or get hit by a pitch and they actually do something productive. But they're not going to be productive other than just not making errors. Where we see Ref Snyder, we see his potential at the plate. He can make an impact offensively. He seems to be able to field, at least to an average level. I don't know why they don't give him a shot. It's got to be because of the options with AAA, right? They, they know they can move them up and down. They don't need to make a decision with them right now. They can, they can just cut one of these guys and not care about it. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, I think that's part of it. But I think also, if you look around, there's really no Brendan Ryan on this team right now. There's no guy that Joe can bring in as a defensive replacement late in the game. Because you know he loves doing that. He loves bringing in the sure-handed defensive guy to play a position. But, but they already have guys who can... But Didi's a that's great fielder. That's my point. That's, Head, that, I mean, Headley should be a good fielder. Teixeira's great, obviously. Castro's good. They have backup outfielders. So in the ninth inning, they can take Beltran out because he's on crutches. And they can put you know Hicks out there to play right field so they already have these guys 
this. This is more that that's my point. My point more to this to, to what you're saying is, is that he shouldn't have to really con- to to make his decision based on on that type of of, of situation where he's got to bring in a guy for a late 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 inning defensive purposes or whatever. Can we talk about the guy that's going to come in and, and play for the day off at, at different positions? Because that guy, I want to be able to hit the ball too. You know, when we look at the roster and what happened last year with our with the offense and how it completely sputtered, and we had too many damn lefties in a row. And if you if we're facing a lefty, we we don't score at all. We just don't score. And you have a guy with a right-handed bat who's proved that he can play uh, in the major leagues, hit the ball, and and play a like you're saying, average enough. Average to, to above average defense. Play the guy, man. That's the guy that should win the job. The guy that earns the job, not the guy that just knows how to glove a ball. I'm just, I I can't stand that. And I know that there's a whole big stat about run prevention, and and I know these guys are looking at. I know Girardi looks at run prevention, and that's one of the big reasons he likes those defensive minded backup infielders. And and Ref Snyder can also pinch hit late in a game if you have a tough you know it's, say you he got can pinch a run. tough lefty he's a great base stealer too you got a tough lefty on the mound and Didi's coming up and you're down a run and, and you got a guy in scoring position it's like yes we like Didi but that's not the best situation for him you probably have a better shot by pinch hitting Ref Snyder he has a better shot against him but you have confidence that he could actually have a good at bat against a guy like that. Whereas they didn't have that last year. The last few roster spots were filled with guys that couldn't even hit in college, Trash. never mind the, the major leagues. So so that, that's what he does. He just adds so much more flexibility. And like I, I understand what everybody's saying. I want that glove. I want the glove as the backup. But let's get something straight. Rob Refsteiner has not proven that he's a bad defensive anything yet in the major leagues. He hasn't shown that. So... So why am I to say that he's not going to play good defense continuing on? But like you the, just said, he's not going to be the defensive replacement. He's going to be the guy, the utility but if he guy. Pinches it, but if he pinch hits in the eighth inning, he's going to, yeah. go out, he's going to have to go out for the ninth yeah. to defend. He can so, play. He can play. We know he can play second base. So if Didi gets pinch hit for, you could always move Castro over to shortstop, who was a shortstop his entire career, and you put Ref Snyder at second base. There, there is options with the roster they have. Look at what Joe Matt and did with the Cubs last year. He moved guys around almost oh. uncomfortably, and they won 98 games. So it can be done. It doesn't have to be by the book. Cross your T's and dot your I's for every game. You can you can get creative. One of the biggest reasons I love Joe Madden is because he realizes that baseball players are baseball players. They can play at different positions. I mean, look at the shifting that's going on right now. Guys who play shortstop have to know how to play second base. Guys who play third have to know how to play shortstop because in, I don't know, one out of five, one out of six, one out of eight, whatever the hell it is, however many times they shift, they're doing it a hell of a lot more often these days. Right. Those guys are going to be out of position in the field. They have to know how to play multiple positions. So you get a guy like Ref Schneider who's athletic, and I know if you listen to this podcast, you've, you've heard me talk about his, his athleticism and how much I love it and how much it's an asset to the Yankees and not a hindrance. But he could play multiple positions. And shifting, you, okay, so you have a guy who's uh, playing second base and you have the uh, shift on for a left-handed batter. So now Ref Schneider's in basically short right field. Oh, look at that. Ref Schneider knows how to play right field. He played it all through college. It's a guy that's absolutely valuable on this roster. Versatility and athleticism is the trend in baseball today. And, and they can't keep going in the opposite direction. They need to start embracing the change. All right. 
Uh, more roster roster. How talk. many rants are we going to go on on Ref Snyder? This is going to be. That was probably like our fifteenth rant on Ref Snyder. It's gonna it's gonna continue, especially if he makes this team. That was one of our better ones. Yeah, that was fun. <clears throat> uh, backup catcher. We know the crack in Gary Sanchez was sort of the leader in the clubhouse going into the season to win the backup job. Cashman praised his his uh, the pop off of his bat, and you kind of got excited about Sanchez. But Romine's the one who's actually been hitting uh, so far in spring, and I know it's early. But uh, Romine has major league experience. Sanchez doesn't really. He got a call up last year. But um, Romine has some experience. He's caught a lot of these pitchers. And he doesn't have any more AAA options, and Sanchez obviously does. So there is a very real possibility that Romine, to start the season, gets the backup job and not Gary Sanchez, which is what we thought. See, now I'm, I'm going to completely change course on, on this position because, to me, the backup catcher needs to be able to field the ball and catch the ball, receive the ball, know the pitchers better than than anybody on the field as far as defensive wise this guy needs to know the pitching staff he needs to be able to come in and and control a game um call pitchers obviously uh keep the the runners at bay on the base path like this is an extremely important position defensively jose more than offensively jose molina couldn't run or hit but he was a fantastic backup catcher so the fact that austin romine you know, look, his biggest knock was that he, he had no offensive abilities. I mean, we've, we've seen Romine before. We've seen Romine. He's been in the organization for a long time. We know what he is defensively. He's a, he's a terrific defensive uh, catcher. And from all accounts, everything I've heard from the offseason, he's he- head over heels better than he has been in the past. So this guy is not only progressing defensively, even, even after he was a very good defensive catcher to start with, but... The fact that he really put a lot of time in on his offense, and he knows that. Uh, you know, if you're listening to any of these interviews, these in-game interviews that they're doing in spring training, they were talking to Romine, and he's saying, "Look, I know what my job is. I I know that for me to make this team, I have to hit the ball." He's like, "I know I can play defense. They know I can play defense. I got to prove that I can hit the ball, and that's his biggest thing." He is. I think he's got two or three doubles. He's, you know, he's he's hitting for average right now. He's having a very good uh, spring so far. Granted, it's been a week. He's had a very good uh, first week in, yeah. at the plate. But he also did last year, if you remember. Don't you remember? And in this, just uh, I just remembered this. We were talking about John Ryan Murphy and Sanchez, and Sanchez was actually hitting better in the, uh, early spring training because I think guys just are working on fastballs at this point. And and he he's sitting fastball. He's squaring it up. Um, I really do think this happened last year as well. But back to your point about how you were changing tunes on the backup catcher position. Comparing Ref Snyder to Sanchez is apples to oranges because Sanchez is is only twenty three. He just turned twenty three years old, and he's a backup catcher who actually projects to, could be their starting catcher as soon as twenty seventeen, maybe twenty eighteen. So they're not going to mess around with him. They can mess around a little bit more with Ref Snyder at this point. So I think that comparison, as you said, is is totally different. So people need to understand that. Yeah, and I'm not comparing them in any way. I'm just talking about the fact that the backup position needs to be more exactly, of a defender as yep. a catcher. Yeah, the the, the the backup catcher needs to be a, a better defender than uh, – I mean, how many, how many guys do you see around Major League Baseball that are – 
that are are winning the backup catching position who can hit 300. You just don't see it. Like Cervelli, Cervelli was like the only guy. He was one of the a, a rare breed where he was a backup catcher for for the Yankees and could hit. And you you just don't see that 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 guy very often. Posada, usually, and he quickly took Girardi's job. Well, exactly. Usually they're starting catchers. That's exactly right. And and what if Cervelli did? He became a starting catcher. So those guys become starting catchers very fast. But. Um, but yeah, so I, I do believe right now, as we're standing, that Romine is has the, uh, the 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 edge in that, and you know Girardi is a catcher himself who also was a defensive catcher, couldn't hit that well, but he was more of a defensive catcher than an offensive catcher. Is going to lean towards those guys because that's his type of guy, and uh, he wants that catcher in the back, backing up McCann as a guy that can handle the pitching staff, that is familiar with the pitching staff. And and can do well late in game. So that's uh, I think that because of the option situation that Romine doesn't have any. I right now I'm going to say that Romine's gonna, when we break camp, Romine's going to be the backup catcher. That may that may very well be, but I think Sanchez at some point in the season will be the backup catcher. They released Romine last year and no one claimed him, and he went back to Scranton. So that could still happen again. I think Sanchez is the real deal. And I don't think Romine can hit the major league level. We've seen it for two seasons now. He hasn't been able to hit at the major league level in a short sample as a backup catcher. But still, um, I I really do think Sanchez is the real deal. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. Um, So you were watching the game on Sunday. Tanaka pitched. And I believe you had a quote or, or something that you wanted to mention from him. Yeah, so again, I was I was actually putting flooring down, and I was listening to to John and Susan. And by the way, they just got if you haven't seen they they just got renewed. And I know a lot of people yes. are completely shitting on them, yes. but I love them. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love them. To me, baseball is like an old time game. You know, like I like corny old old school type of guys around the the game of baseball. And to me. Well, one, I grew up with John Sterling, and I know a lot of some people. Some people aren't very favorable toward Michael K, but I grew up to the to, to John Sterling and Michael K on seven seventy, listening to them um, when I wasn't, you know, when I was a kid, not able to go watch TV. We didn't have cable at that point. I was I was listening to them on my radio, and uh, and so that's how I grew up with 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 John Sterling. I love I love his commentary. I love the fact that him and Susan are, sometimes don't know who a guy is. Yeah, I mean and it's, they just it's make beautiful. stuff up. It's I, a I think beautiful it's hilarious. relationship that they have. The it sexual, really is. the sexual tension is off the charts. And yes, you do have to check your phone to make sure something actually did happen because sometimes they get it wrong. But it's entertaining and, and I don't want it any different. Yeah, I I love it. So, okay, anyway. So I was listening to the game, and I ha- I think it was the uh, the the other the Phillies broadcast was on television. The Yankees didn't have a broadcast on Sunday, so there was like a delay of like three minutes. So it was perfect. So I could listen to the game, and if anything happened, I or anything of note, I would get up and watch it. It was it was actually pretty perfect. But Tanaka, they interviewed Tanaka. I think it was Sweeney Marty actually interviewed Tanaka, and then third hand kind of gave the information to Susan Waldman. But anyway. What the information was to me was pretty telling. They they asked Tana, or Sweeney asked Tanaka about how he felt. He said he felt very good, very good through the you know two innings he pitched, and and then there was a, a question in there that was very telling to me about last year. Sweeney asked Tanaka that uh, asked him if he could regain his 2014 form, and we all know. We saw a different Tanaka in 2014 than we did in 15, and you know everybody thinking about the injury that occurred. Obviously, that had to play into some. You know, the the league has seen him. So, so what what was the actual reason why he didn't have the same success he did? 
And Tanaka said that he believes that he could regain that form. He said, I could regain that form because my elbow feels a lot better, feels better this year. And, you know, Andrew, you and I, you and I talked about this all last year about, like, why he was injured, like, what was going on, what the injuries were. And there was never any talk about his elbow being discomfort. We know the forearm, the forearm or something. And, you know, like, the, the picky bone is connected to the hand bone, the hand bone is connected to the forearm, the forearm is connected they to the elbow. They basically would list everything except his elbow as right. injured. So he, he, he just said this week that my, basically my elbow was bothering me last year. And he said that, that my elbow feels completely healthy and that we are going – that he, he believes that he can regain that form. So, look, we know he got the bone spurs out. Apparently that wasn't an issue, but that's that's what we've been told. He's had that to since me. Japan. To me, it's an issue. Yeah, it's become it's it's an issue. He's felt discomfort in his arm just in general. His elbow, obviously. He made the comment saying that his his elbow feels much better. To me, that that what I'm what I'm I'm just you know I'm gonna dive into these comments and just dissect the living shit out of them. But basically, his arm to me feels as good as it did in 2014, or at least his elbow does. So. Your elbow has a lot to do with the way you throw the ball, the way that you, the the amount of action that's on the type of the the breaking stuff that you throw, and and how hard you can throw and how long you can throw. So, I'm excited about that. That's very very good news. Tanaka's elbow is finally 100%, and you heard it here first. So you ready? I'm gonna go sports radio caller on you. So um, I fell skiing last winter, and I fell right onto my elbow. And it was it, it was bruised. It hurt. It and and then all of a sudden, like three weeks later, I was feeling around on my elbow, and I can actually feel a chip in my bone. So I'm assuming there I have some sort of chip bone, bone spur, something floating around in my left elbow, and it doesn't always hurt, but sometimes it'll get sore. If I lean on it weird, it'll get sore. So I, there had to have been some discomfort there. There just had to have been if he had bone spurs in his elbow. So maybe his elbow, like you said, is 100% better, and that might be fantastic news for the Yankees. That might be the best news to come out of spring so far. I agree, and I think nobody's really covered it. Nobody's really talked about the fact that he said these these comments because to me these comments are extremely telling. And you're talking about you fell and then you're, 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 you're something moving in there. I mean, scar tissue moves like that. There's a lot of things in your elbow. that My, my elbow is like a disaster. Well, I looked it up on WebMD, and I, and I oh, need to amputate my arm. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a million things that move. Like, it I feels like there's a, an entire party of ants in my elbow right now. It's, it's, it's awful. And... So there's there's a million things that can happen, but to me, you're getting bone spurs removed at the end of the year, and then you make these comments. So yes, I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna go back and say that yes, your elbow was not at 100% last year, and and that's you know we were seeing lower lower uh, lower velocity, not not as much action on the splitter. Um, you know we were seeing a number of things that we we saw a DL stint. So maybe Tanaka is is 100% healthy coming into this year. And we will see 2014 Tanaka from from what he's saying. Uh, let's get into some MLB news, and we do have to preview a couple teams, and then we'll get out of here. So Chase Utley, the the vicious slide in the uh, NLDS, which you and I both loved, he is not going to be suspended for that. Mets fans crying all over Twitter. It was beautiful. 
But I just wanted to mention it because it did really force the hand to institute the quote-unquote Utley slide or the Utley rule. So you can no longer make contact with a second baseman or a shortstop or anybody turning a double play by sweeping your leg, lunging at them, sliding hard into them, kicking, anything like that. Basically, it's impossible to now break up a double play. Just like we saw no more crashing into the catcher, Pete Rose style, you can no longer break up a double play at second base. What is happening to our beloved game, Scott? So this is one of those rules that I'm very interested to see how it gets enforced because I could see the the umpires loosely enforcing this. And obviously this is all judgment, right? This is something that's judgment. I don't really think it makes that much of a difference in all honesty. I still think they're going to let people break up the double play. I still think they're going to um, allow those those kind of hard slides. Well, they to, don't for catchers. It's a, it's a different scenario to me. It's a, it's a, it's a run scoring play. It's just a different scenario. It's it's a it's a more this this is such this is such a gray area because one the first of all the second baseman like the catcher the catcher fields the the ball at the plate in in, in relatively the same position every single time. You got to when there's a play at second, you got to either a second baseman coming at the ball, you got a shortstop coming at the ball. If there's a shift, you got a friggin' third baseman coming at the ball, and you don't know where the angles are, who's doing what. There's no stealing. You know, the, the, the runner's not stealing home when a catcher usually. There's a lot more things that are going into this. And unless it's completely blatant, I could see the, the umpires not saying a damn thing and we don't see that much of a change. And and to me, I, I feel like that's gonna happen, at least in the beginning of the season. They're gonna they're gonna really just kind of hands off of this thing and let the guys play unless it's completely obvious or, you know, it's, it's one of those issues, but I I hate it, man. I really do hate it. I, you know, you're asking me what's happening to our game. It's become a, it's, it's becoming way too soft. The catcher thing. I didn't like, I don't like the catcher thing still. I don't like this. Let the guys do what they do. If it's, if it's bad and you see it on the field, call it like you see it. It, I hate overreaction to, to um, one play. The Utley slide was dirty. He should be suspended for that because that is not within the spirit. I can't think of a better word. That's not within the good competitive nature of the game. Him basically just torpedoing and breaking a guy's leg. But breaking up a double play is part of the game. It always has been. Running into the catchers is part of the game and it always has been. I I hate to see that kind of stuff change when for... A hundred years and ninety nine percent of the time it wasn't an issue, and then the, the, then MLB or whatever sport we're talking about overreacts to one single play. I hate when that happens, and I feel like that's what they're doing right now. It's becoming football where the ref, where the the referees in football have to see like eighty different eighty different rule changes, and now they have so many rules they can't even concentrate on what's going on on the field because they have to be so conscious of all these damn rules that are happening that are added to the game that to me, take away from the game as a spectator, and I can only imagine how much they take away from the game as a player. So this type of thing, it look, it's a common sense thing. It's a feel thing. If you see something as an umpire that's not in the spirit of the game, as you were saying, or whatever, not a, not not you know the the old boy baseball rules, then call it out. And that's what's always been done. If something is not right, call it out. And that's what that that you can go you can with the old rules. That umpire could could have still called, you know, they can call Chase Utley out and say that it was a, a a bad slide that he was going at the at the shortstop. 
they could have done that at that time. It was a judgment call. So we're just talking about people and human error at this time. Yeah. And um, I'm I, just waiting for the strike zone to become robotic because I, yeah, I mean, that's, I was, that's where they're going to lose me. I was going to say that there's so, so much other stuff, a part of baseball that they need to fix first than stuff like this. But um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, ref or refs, how umps call it. Um, all right. So let's preview the Diamondbacks. The Yankees play at Arizona May 16th through the 18th. So, Interleague play goes throughout the entire season now with the, the Astros moving over. And this is the first interleague series the Yankees have of the season is in mid-May. And uh, the Diamondbacks are projected by baseball prospectus to finish third in their division with 78 wins. I think some people are high on them, though, because they got Zach Greinke for a trillion dollars and traded their the number one overall pick and pretty much their entire farm system for Shelby Miller. Two very, very, very good pitchers. But when you look at it, they're in a division with the Dodgers and the Giants, who on paper are both better than them. And other than Greinke, Miller, and Goldschmidt, I don't think they have a lot of talent on that roster. So I actually think third place is probably where they're going to be. Yeah, I just, you know, if we, I'm, I'm kind of hoping we don't see Granke. I mean, if we face Shelby Miller, then we'll face Shelby Miller. But I, I don't know enough about Shelby Miller to be scared of Shelby Miller. Uh, Zach Granke, I know, obviously, is, is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Shelby Miller, I know, had a very low ERA. His win uh, to loss ratio was, was skewed because of the Braves being who they were last year. Uh, but yeah, there's, you know, Goldschmidt's a stud. That's a guy that's, that's an absolute stud at first base. Uh, but you know, there's really nobody on that on that team that's that's uh, you know it's petrifying for me that, for that series. So, so here's what'll happen: is you and I will preview the Diamondbacks when we go to play them in May, and we'll say just don't let Goldschmidt beat you, and then he'll have three home runs and 19 RBIs in the series because that's what always seems to happen when the Yankees are involved. But you really just can't let Goldschmidt beat you, and I think you can pitch around him and and beat that lineup. You know, it's funny because when we traded for Didi and even before that, the year before that, it seemed like they had like three or four shortstop prospects that were just studs. And these guys have not panned out. And the one guy that really has panned out so far is the guy that they got rid of and the one that, that we that we took advantage of, obviously, with Didi. So uh, kudos to, to Brian Cashman again on that on that move and getting Didi at a time where you know, it was, uh, man, I tell you, the more and more I'm talking about Cashman, the more and more I'm talking about this guy striking when the iron is hot. He really has taken advantage of some situations. Are you what are you referring to the uh, Peter O'Brien for Martin Prado trade? I mean, that was something. Uh, O'Brien was a guy that was, I think, familiar to Yankee fans, or at least the Yankee clubhouse, where he just, he was an offensive power in the minor leagues and just didn't have a position, so... Prado, Prado was a guy that I mean, look, let's 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 call this what it is. It's it's Peter O'Brien for Nathan Avaldi. Right? Yeah, you can look at it that way. Yes. Any anytime I can bring Nathan Avaldi back into the conversation. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean that that you're right. It it, it was Peter O'Brien for Nathan Avaldi at the end of the day. What a great deal. Cashman's a friggin' genius. I mean, yeah, I can't even I can't even talk shit on that one. <laughs> um Peter O'Brien, though, is interesting. Like you said, he has no position, but he had a very good offensive year for the AAA Arizona team, wherever they are. The I was rat- going to say, name, name the, that team. The Rattlesnakes. I will give you $100 if you name that team. Um, 26 homers, over 100 RBIs in a full season. Um, 
And do you remember when Reggie Jackson praised his power? I think that's when Yankee fans all got excited. Yeah, you hear definitely. Reggie Jackson talk about a prospect, a kid who he says has some of the best power he's ever seen, and it's like, oh shit, when's this guy going to get here? But uh, he, I mean, we thought uh, Jesus Montero didn't have a position. This guy literally could not field at all. So, um, yeah, definitely good job by Cashman trading him. Shelly Duncan hit a lot of home runs in the minor leagues. <laughs> yes. Um, but O'Brien did get uh, some major league action last year, so maybe he'll get some this year as well. Um, all right, so now the Colorado Rockies is the next team we're going to preview. The Yankees play two in Colorado, two at home versus them, so a home and home. June 14th and 15th, and then a week later, June 21st and 22nd. The Rockies are going to suck. Um, much like the Oakland Athletics, they have nobody on their roster, and the one guy on their roster who you say is a really exciting player is most likely going to be suspended for at least half the season, and that's Jose Reyes. Um, yes, they also have Carlos Gonzalez, who... Is a very good player, but I would actually think they might try and move him at some point this year because his contract is up. So I really see the Rockies stinking. I was surprised that they didn't move him in the offseason, to tell you the truth, especially with the uh, the way that the, the outfield market kind of panned out and you had guys like Justin Upton who were still sitting out there. I felt like you know Carlos, a guy like Carlos Gonzalez... Uh, could have been had for a pretty decent deal for people not wanting to, you know, give that draft pick up for for Upton. Um, so I was I was actually very surprised he was still on their roster. And I, I they're going to be a bad team. I I think they will absolutely move Carlos Gonzalez at the trade deadline. There's no reason they shouldn't. Um, I'll tell you, Jose Reyes. We talked about him earlier. That he is going to be the poster child for Manfred's uh, domestic dispute or domestic uh, you know violence type of. Uh, suspension. We saw Chapman get 30 games. I think Jose Reyes doesn't play this year. Obviously, it's not even any major league baseball hands right now because he's still. I mean, he's a, he's a he's going through the court system. I mean, this guy hasn't even been tried yet, and so I don't know the details of the situation. Yeah, he's but, not at spring training. He's not even participating. Yeah, he's not even showing up. Activities. So right. So I don't. I don't think he's going to play this year at all. I could see him completely be gone. He may be in jail for all we know. Um, again, I don't know enough about the situation to talk about it. So I'll just I'll just kind of let the the news play out as it does, but I, I could see them, um, especially if something actually does happen in the courtroom, even if he doesn't get time, but he's convicted of something, that that you know going coming really hard on on Jose Reyes on, on a suspension. So I'll tell you the one thing that got me excited though: uh, the June 14th and 15th is that at Colorado or is that at New York? I do not know. Okay, so my brother just moved to Denver, Colorado, and I have not been out there to visit him yet. So now I have my my eyes on. Well, does it make a shoot. difference which one it is? It's a week apart. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm I'm wondering so I can look up plane tickets and stuff. I'm just wondering. I'll look it up after the show. But yeah, this is exciting now. So I think I'm going to go to that game. Nice. Yeah. A little mile so I'll tell high you guys action. How, I'll tell you guys how Coors Field is. Can you ha- can you eat an edible and then go to the yeah, game wh- and periscope wh- yourself? <laughs> While on weed, man. <laughs> um. We're going to preview the Padres and Giants next week, um, and that will be while we're at spring training, so definitely um, look forward to that. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We have a few mailbags that we're going to get to. Four of them are about Jorge Mateo. Clearly, he got the attention of Yankee fans, so we're going to record those separately and release that episode 
a day later than normal. So you'll get this one. You're listening to this one now. It's Tuesday. So tomorrow on Wednesday, we're going to release the Mateo mailbag episode. Uh, But before we get to those, let's do the mailbag from Rudy G. Um, And I'm going to paraphrase it because it's a topic we already discussed. But uh, there is some more news around it, so we want to mention it. So he's talking about the ticket policy, which we talked about two weeks ago, how the Yankees are no longer um, having print-at-home tickets. You talked about the barcodes and everything. You got all technical and sciencey on everybody. Made my head spin. I don't even remember what you talked about. But Rudy G says that um, basically he's wondering why the Yankees are so out of touch with their fans. And there's actually some news that has come out that maybe they aren't as out of touch with, with what we think. And that's the fact that they met with StubHub on February 24th, um, sort of like undisclosed. We don't know what they talked about, but uh, it might be sort of a resolution to this whole issue. Well, we don't know exactly what it was. We don't know if it's a resolution or what. But to me, when you know this news broke was right around that time, and, and obviously we, we heard the, the comments from the front office and all of that stuff. Um, and we know that StubHub, if you get a ticket on the game game day, basically Rudy was like, Rudy moved away from New York 20 years ago, and he's wondering, you know, what it's like for the Yankee fan who is going to the game, who lives in New York, go, leaves work, wants to go, and 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 can't get a ticket um, on StubHub or whatever, and, and then get it on his phone. Um, so the fact that they met with StubHub, to me, that at that point, and this is going off of Francesa too. I don't know if you guys listen to Francesa, but I, I usually have him on from uh, from at least one to four, one to five. And he was talking about the fact that it's very telling, and I agree with him. It's very telling when the Yankees met with StubHub. They met with them, what did you say, February 24th, right? Yeah, that, so that's, it was like a few days after the Lon Tross comments, which were totally out of touch with the Yankee fans. But it's it, so what, it, what to me, like you're not going to have a meeting with StubHub to just talk about nothing. I mean, why would that meeting even occur unless you were looking at some type of resolution? So, you know, I, we're just dissecting this and kind of, you know, insinuating that, that possibly there is something happening. But I mean, when this news broke, that was one of the things that I thought off the top of my head. I'm like, this is this is a technology issue at this point. Obviously, someone's got to release the technology for this to happen. But with the outcry, I see something happening. There's, there's no doubt that there's no, there, there just can't let this happen. It, it's just too, too much against the local New York Yankee fan, and and that's just, it's just completely out of touch and not, and not a good thing for New Yorkers. So, um, to me, this this is them trying to work on the problem. And uh, you know, again, like I, I see by, at some point in the season, early in the season, I, I could see a, a resolution and some kind of a medium ground coming out. Yeah, for the probably for this season alone because it's right around the corner. But they do definitely want to get that ticket exchange off the ground. That's clear. Um, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But the the fact that they're they're going to be limiting Yankee fans. I mean, they're going to see it in the attendance. So I think I think that'll become a you know one of the more obvious one of the more obvious signs to them is that people aren't showing up because they don't have the the ability to show up at the last minute anymore. And I, I definitely see a resolution to this because. It's dollars and cents. When people aren't in the stadium, they're losing money. And, and the Yankees don't like to lose money. Uh, Rudy also mentions that he's going to be at spring training March 13th, which you might still be down there, right? Yeah, possibly. i got to see what time my flight leaves. But if I, I want to say I, I, I got a later flight so that I could possibly catch that, that game on Sunday. So 
Um, yeah, Rudy, hit me up. I know you and I have talked on Twitter a couple times, so definitely hit me up. Uh, let me know when you're going to be there. Uh, Andrew and I will – Andrew will definitely be there on Saturday too, leaving early Sunday. So uh, if we can hook up just to say hello or drink a beer or whatever. Um, anybody who's down there, we're, we're wide open. We'd love to, to meet as many of you guys as possible. We're going to be walking around with Bronx pinstripe shirts on. So if you see us, come say hello. Uh, yeah, we'd love to just meet as many people as possible. Yeah, speaking of my flight on Sunday, there's roughly a 30% chance I miss it because it's at 7 a.m., but that's on daylight savings time, so it's really at 6 a.m. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so I might just not go to bed. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Rudy, I might not want to see you on Sunday. <laughs> might be a total. <laughs> I might be in a bad situation. <laughs> We're pulling an all-nighter, is what I'm telling you. Yeah, and I'm I'm not equipped for that anymore. <laughs> no, you're. I am not equipped for that anymore. <laughs> um, all right. So as I said, check out that Mateo mailbag. A lot of good stuff in there. So uh, we'll get to those. We're going to record those now, but you'll be hearing those tomorrow. Scott, any last words? That's it for me. I'm. I'm I was pumped up to watch baseball this week. It was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Susan and, and John got me through a couple of games, so uh, I'm excited that they're extended too. If you guys don't like them, give them a better, give them more of a chance. Know that they're older and that they love baseball and they don't get your Snapchat references, and that's okay. Roger Clemens is in George's box. All right, we'll talk to you guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.